So we're working our way through Romans seven or Romans one, excuse me, and uh, just introductory. I'm gonna probably finish next week, Ty. Just so keep it in mind. Um, we're, I'm kind of working on an outline here. Uh, it was the Book of Romans was written uh, probably around 56, 57 A.D. And it was written, what we believe, from Corinth. Uh, It was um, a letter that Paul had written to the Romans. He had never visited there uh, at this particular time. Uh, Paul ends up in in Rome eventually, uh, and that's where he dies. But uh, it's a book that um, you can feel and hear Paul's heart as he pours out his heart, even in the first couple verses. He says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ. This was a relatively new church. Many believe it was founded uh, at, uh, around the time of Pentecost. Uh, remember, we looked in Acts last week, in, or a couple weeks, and the, the, um, there was uh, people from Rome there. Um, it was not founded by Peter, and uh, as uh, contrary to uh, some uh, early, some beliefs here, we just looked at the uh, little outline here. And Ty, you may want to change this around, but the introduction is really in chapters one through seventeen. It's Paul's salutation. He opens up with greetings to them. Uh, remember, the um, he says he's an apostle. We see Paul's authority, but also his humility right off the bat in verse one an apostle, uh, but also a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So Paul's not coming in there trying to uh, mow down uh, what's already been established, but he's coming in there with the truth, the truth that has been revealed to him from Jesus Christ. And then we see Paul has this personal note in chapter, in verses 8 through 15. We looked a little bit at this uh, last week. Uh, Paul says, I thank my God through uh, Jesus Christ for you all that your faith was spoken of throughout all the world. This was a church that uh, probably small at this particular time. They were, we know from chapter 16, they were meeting in a house, but that their faith had spread throughout all the world. This was an active church, a, a, uh, a church that uh, professed Christ. They did not hide, as it were, the candlestick of Jesus Christ. And therefore, Paul, who is in uh, Corinth, uh, some 700 miles or so away, has heard of the faith and the testimony of the this church in uh, Rome, which, again, I challenge myself and challenge you if that could be said about us and be said about you individually or me individually, that our faith has, uh, has been uh, spoken of throughout the whole world. And then he says uh, in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel and his son, that without ceasing I make mention always of you in my prayers. Uh, we will uh, look at that in just a minute. So Paul had this heart for people he had never met. And uh, the common bond, of course, was the gospel of Christ. We'll look this morning at a little more of the personal. We'll look at the main thing, uh, theme in chapter six, verses 16 and 17. The just shall live by faith. And then we'll start on this uh, section, the wrath of God, which goes from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through 320. So it's quite a lengthy uh, portion of the early uh, scriptures here. Um, Paul was uh, wrote the book 
uh, it was uh, transcribed according to Romans 16 by another man uh, that wrote it, probably delivered to by, uh, from Corinth uh, to Rome by a lady named Phoebe uh, that is mentioned in chapter 16. So uh, that's the background on it. Uh, obviously, we know the background of Paul, the apostle, the hater of the church, and that comes out in here as we go through that, uh, miraculously saved by sovereign grace on the road to Damascus. So uh, any, any comments or questions or in thoughts about where we've been so far? We've, we started, then we took a week off, then we started, took another week off, so it's trying to, kind of hard to keep continuity here as we move through this. All right. Um, Bryce, would you mind reading uh, verses 8 through 15 for me? Romans 1. And the church is already established. Paul, for some reason, has this, this care, as it were, for these people that he's really never met. He's heard of their faith. And so as we get through Romans, it becomes very deep and doctrinally, uh, doctrinal instruction as Paul sees this as, the, as, uh, as his time to instruct and, as it were, send these uh, young believers into a seminary class and to instruct them and things that they have probably never heard of. What we do know is they were faithful and that they loved Christ and that they were uh, well spoken of. In verse 9 here, uh, it says, For God is my witness with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, and without ceasing I make mention of you. Uh, Paul was praying for this church. Uh, there was a time. Does this seem uh, completely, this is how the gospel transforms people? Here's Paul who was the persecutor of the church killing Christians, and now uh, probably converted maybe in 37, 36 A.D., somewhere around there. Now here, 20 years later, he's praying for the same people that he at one time had tried to kill and tried to persecute. So we see the transformation of the gospel. Uh, there is a time without ceasing that he was hunting Christians down. And now he says, without ceasing, I'm praying for you. And I just find it I find the beauty of the gospel and the transforming grace of God that not only saves us from sin, but brings us into uh, a new life and a new way of living and a new uh, uh, focus. And so Paul, who once hated these people, now loves them, who used to, who used to uh, 
hunt them down, is now praying for them. So he's praying for the saints without ceasing. Uh, he also, it's interesting here, uh, and it's just a little thing, but I thought I'd mention it. He says, I mention of you always in my prayers. There's no distinction here. He's not praying for some of the saints or part of the saints or necessarily the leadership or the men or the women or the Greeks or the Jews. But as a whole, uh, Paul is bringing uh, the request of this church uh, before God. Uh, Think about what we have today with our uh, modern technology that, you know, Barbara and Daniel can contact and converse with uh, thousands of miles away, really almost in the moment uh, with Barbara or with uh, Tom and Teresa. But with Paul, he had to write the letter by hand on some kind of a parchment, roll it up, send it on uh, by this lady, Phoebe, all the way over to the other side. And so it would be hard to get uh, prayer requests. You know, we can get prayer requests quickly, you know, within a matter of moments from around the world, but that wasn't the case. And so uh, Paul had this heart for the people. He had an understanding uh, that uh, God was sovereign. He says, uh, making, um, he says here in verse 10, making request, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul had this strong prayer life, but he also had a strong trust in the sovereignty of God um, that he would, uh, would be able to, to, to at some point come to them. He had one specific prayer, and that was to visit the believers in Rome. He prayed for them, but also that he could come to them. He was trying to find a way, uh, but he knew that God controlled all the circumstances. And um, it's interesting here, in the uh, day that we live in, uh, you would have expected Paul the Apostle to uh, pray something like, God, uh, I name it and claim it that I'd be able to go to Rome, that you would, that you would bring a boat and they would take me and I would go to Rome. But you don't find that with Paul. And in our day, we have this, uh, we have, uh, this uh, explosion, as it were, of word of faith ministries or name it and claim it ministries. We don't find that amongst the uh, Apostle Paul. Uh, he is uh, humble. He is uh, gracious. And he says, if by God's will, I could come uh, to see you. He had a high view of God and really a low view of himself. Uh, he did not see God as some cosmic genie that answered his prayer and, and as he rubbed a, a, uh, a lantern, but he saw God as the sovereign king of the universe. Uh, to him, God was majestic and he brought himself under the care of God. Uh, and in verses 11 and 12 here, Uh, We see, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. That is, that I may encourage together with you by the mutual faith that we, that both, with mutual faith, both of you and me also. So Paul had this desire uh, not only to pray for them, but to come to Rome. He wasn't coming for a visit for a sightseeing tour, uh, as often is the case uh, with our sometimes mission trips. This was a specific 
uh, task and Paul had some things that he wanted to get done, uh, he would, uh, his desire was to impart, notice here, to impart some spiritual gifts. Um, what, what would you think Paul had in mind there? When Paul wrote this and they read, the Roman believers read this, um, what is he talking about? Is he talking about laying on of hands and imparting some spiritual gift maybe from Romans chapter 12 or from uh, 1 Corinthians 12? Or did you think he had something else in mind here? Any thoughts? I, I think Paul wasn't talking about imparting spiritual gifts necessarily that he talks about in Romans 12. I think what he's talking about is that the blessing he could bring to them and that he would uh, be able to uh, be a blessing, that they would be a blessing to him. Notice in 11b and 12 that Paul explains what kind of spiritual gifts he, exp- he, he plans to bring. Uh, in verse 11, he says, I long to see that I am impart some special gifts so that, I may, so that you may be established. Paul wanted to bring some encouragement and gifts to them. That is the teaching of the word so that they could be established. Again, a young church, young believers, and Paul says, here's what I want to bring to you uh, that will be helpful to you, some spiritual gifts. And then notice uh, the NIV actually translates that, uh, that, I, that you may be a mutual encouragement to me. So the second spiritual uh, gift is in verse 12, so that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. So Paul wanted to establish them. That is, he wanted to strengthen them. That's the Greek word there, to, uh, to shore up their faith. But he also wanted to be uh, encouraged by them. Or as the NIV says, I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So there was something that Paul wanted, saw a value in meeting together. That is, in being part of this church that had been established. Calvin uh, comments on this verse, and he says, There is no one so void of gifts in the church of Christ who is unable to contribute something to our benefit. However, ill will and pride may prevent our uh, deriving such fruit from one another. So Calvin says, even the uh, youngest of Christians can encourage the oldest of Christians uh, if, if we allow that to happen. And, of course, we see that in our own body, don't we, that uh, the young and the old should encourage and strengthen one another and teach one another. So any thoughts here uh, before we move on? I hope you see this as an important part of our body also, that we should strengthen and encourage and, and, and serve one another uh, and part of that. And so, um, look at, uh, look at uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. This was some years after Paul wrote this letter to Rome, the Romans. He wrote this in uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, see if this sounds familiar. Uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
what uh, what Paul was trying to accomplish here uh, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That is, Paul wanted to encourage them, but he also wanted to be encouraged by them. He wasn't pulling the apostle card here. And then he says in verse 4, let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also in the interest of others. Of course, that hasn't changed for 2,000 years, has it? That uh, we can learn from each other, we can encourage each other. Uh, Calvin uh, said there, uh, there's no reason that we can't benefit except for pride and uh, ill will. So uh, those are things that would prevent us from uh, encouraging and strengthening one another. Now let's look at verse 13 here. Uh, Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, I often planned to come to you, but was hindered unto now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among the other Gentiles. So here, uh, Paul had tried, he made plans. He had, uh, at one time or another, wanted to come to Rome uh, he was. Uh, he makes this note. He was hindered under now. Uh, I know you know this, uh, but this is one of those uh, verses that um, uh, Proverbs that we should all keep in mind. Uh, Proverbs uh, sixteen nine says, uh, and I, I know you, again as I said, you, you know this verse. Let me find it here. Sixteen nine. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Paul made his plans. Somehow he was hindered. What do you think the hindrance might be? What would hinder Paul? What, what I didn't hear. Well, yeah, but at this particular time he was in Corinth. Uh, yeah, hit, pro, uh, prison would eventually hinder Paul from doing his ministry, but what, what would hinder Paul? What are some things? The man in the ministry wanted to stay in Corinth. He stayed there. Could be health issues, uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, uh, Paul may have had some health issues. Maybe we'll look here in a minute. The Holy Spirit might have hindered Paul. Uh, there's a, uh, a thousand things that could have hindered him. Health, uh, family, finances, uh, maybe transportation, uh, he doesn't tell us what it is, but he does make the point here uh, that he made the plans and that he had planned on coming to them and uh, that uh, he could not, uh, that he was uh, going to have to stay on at Corinth for some reason. Uh, look at Acts chapter 16 a minute. Uh, when Paul, uh, in Paul's ministry, when he was going into Macedonia, and he doesn't say specifically what it is here. I think he leaves it open for a reason. But in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, he says here, um, Now when they had gone through uh, Pygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Somehow Paul got word from the Holy Spirit that he should, and he was hindered from preaching the word in Asia. And after they had come to Isaiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and the vision appeared to Paul at night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, 
and uh, concluding that the Lord had called us as Paul and Luke uh, to preach the gospel to the Macedonians. So uh, there's, there's a, there, it could have been a, a myriad of things that prevented Paul uh, that, uh, from going into uh, to Rome there. Uh, and then he says that I might, um, uh, might have some fruit among you just as among the other Gentiles. Again, what kind of fruit was Paul looking for? What would what would be what would Paul be looking for? What kind of fruit? What is it? Fruit of righteousness to encourage each other, right? He fruit of conversion. So Paul had uh, this general in mind. Again, it wasn't a visit. It was it was a purpose. Paul had a purpose. He was hindered by some reason of external circumstances, but he had a plan. And he was moving in that direction, and that plan had a goal, and that goal was to bring fruit. Again, a life lesson for us, right? Make plans, right? Man makes his plans. Pray about it. Know what what direction you're going. Make your plans. If you're hindered by providentially from health or from finances or from jail or whatever it happens to be or by the Holy Spirit, then go a different direction. When you make those plans, have a goal. What are the goals in mind? What am I trying to do? Samuel, you're going to school. What's your goal? Yeah, right. And to be a productive citizen, right? But you also want to be able to still uh, be a responsible Christian in that job. And so you're learning. You're moving in that direction. The Lord may open and close doors, but you have a plan. Within that plan, you have a goal. You're not just going to college. What's your goal? Yeah, but your goal right, is to also get an engineering degree. So you're not taking basket weaving. You're taking something that's productive. And so we see this from Paul here, that he's moving, he's got a plan, he's got a direction, and I think there's really good life lessons here uh, for all of us, that he wants to produce some fruit. It could be the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, that he wanted to uh, love and joy and peace and long-suffering that he would want to impart to these believers, that he would encourage and grow with them. Uh, it could be friendship from verse 2 that we saw. Paul wanted to know them better and become part of them. He doesn't say, uh, but he has a goal and, uh, and he has uh, fruit. Uh, it could be fruit of conversion, as Dave mentioned. Uh, from, uh, we see that uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. And it could be uh, the fruit that uh, Jesus reminds them of in John 15, that uh, if those that don't bear fruit will be cut off and that Paul is going to warn them. So now look at verse 14 here. He says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and barbarians, both the wise and unwise. I'll make a suggestion that this is like a parallelism that we see that I've written up in the board. The Greeks and the barbarians go with the wise and the unwise. And so Paul is using this to speak of people in general. That is, as the gospel goes out, it's not to necessarily a specific group, not necessarily to the wise or the Greeks or necessarily excluding the Greeks and going to the barbarians, but the unwise, he goes, the, the gospel goes out uh, into uh, the whole world. Uh, if you look at our missionary board back there, we send missionaries to Taiwan, which is um, 
the seventh in the world in education, very highly educated, but we also send missionaries to the Panave people who have, don't even have a language. And so, as Paul would say, we went to the Greeks, the wise. We also go to the barbarians or the unwise. And so the gospel is not is universal. Uh, it is not to be separated by social status or from uh, or education. Uh, they are, uh, it, it goes out. And in verse 15 here, Paul says, so as uh, much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul had been all over the world, uh, three missionary trips uh, through uh, Asia and Asia Minor. And he had now, uh, he wants to come and spend time with them. Uh, he said he's a debtor. Notice here in verse 15, as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Paul, in verse 14, he says, I'm a debtor, both the Greeks and the barbarians. Paul feels this great responsibility to preach the gospel of grace. Again, life lesson, right? What's our passion? Paul had a passion to preach the gospel. And I, I, I think I asked myself this week, is that my passion? Do I want to see people come to Christ? Um, whether it's not necessarily going all the way to Rome, but even in my own community, uh, the, the Great Commission wasn't for the apostles or church leaders, but it was for all people to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So again, I, I sit here and I ask myself, uh, he was a debtor uh, to Christ because of the mercy and grace that he had been given. Uh, the same for us, right? We are debtors to Christ because of his mercy. We certainly didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Uh, we are debtors. Um, and then he says here, um, I am ready to preach. The idea there is eager. He's eager. He's not just ready, but he's willing. He wants to be eager to preach the gospel. Tom, did you have a comment? And the same was true for Paul. He was willing, he wanted to go, but he was hindered. Certainly Barbara and Daniel were hindered along the way. Sure. So again, here we're seeing Paul, he was hindered but he's a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians, but he's ready, he's willing. 
You ever see the Kentucky Derby when they take the horses and they put them into the starting blocks at the, at the, and they put them in like just seconds before the Derby starts because those horses are, are just so excited and they want to run and then they open the gate and they take off. And that's what we have with Paul here. That's the idea that he's, he's not just going through life as a mundane Christian, but he's, his goal is to share the gospel, to be a, a witness and again, uh, I think all of us have to take a look at our own lives and say, is this something that I'm ready to do, that I'm willing to do, and that I'm eager about uh, doing? Um, it is for the whole church. Uh, and then in verses 16 and 17, we sh- uh, shift here a little bit. This is the main theme that we'll find through the book of Romans. Uh, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also the Greek, for it, it, it righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. So what we see here uh, is this uh, shift in, in uh, Paul's letter, and uh, he says, I'm ready to share the gospel. Uh, turn to Second uh, Corinthians a minute, uh, 11. Sometimes we read these things and we just take them for granted. Uh, but Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, and, uh, and Paul records this in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 22 through 33. Here's a reason he certainly could have been ashamed of the gospel, uh, but he wasn't. Uh, they are Hebrews, so am I. He's talking about, he's making a case here for his uh, apostleship to the Corinthians. Uh, and he says, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labor, more abundant in stripes, more in measure, in prison, more frequently in death, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've been in the deep in journeys, often in perils and waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, perils of wildernesses, perils of the sea, perils among false brethren. And, and then he goes on and he says, for deep concern of all the churches. Is there a reason that Paul would have been ashamed of the gospel? He could have very easily, right, quit. He said, this isn't for me. I'm, 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 but he knew the truth, and he endured through all these hardships and all these wonders. And Paul can write to the Romans and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. All of his discouragements, all of his disappointments, all of his pain, all of his suffering, Paul can, at the end of his life or towards the last 10 years of his life, write, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what was done to him, or said to him, Paul kept on preaching the gospel of Christ. Um, you know this, I'm sure, but the word power here in the uh, Greek, we get our word dynamite or dunamis from. It's the, uh, the, it's the power of God unto salvation. It is the word of God, the gospel of God, that produces the power of God. And uh, we see that uh, it means strength or ability is also it's translated here. The idea is inherent power. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation, he's not talking about his own ability here. It's the gospel, the word of God, 
that brings faith. Faith comes by what? He writes in, in Romans 10. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. So there's the Word of God along with the Holy Spirit that converts people and brings people to Christ. So this is a powerful message that Paul is giving us as a church that it's not about might or power, but or but it is about the might or power of our own strength, but it is the might and power of the gospel itself. The word itself has power. The word itself has strength uh, to convert one's souls. He says here, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. What would be that? Why would he say that? God's plan, right? He gave his covenant to, to, the, to the Hebrews, to, to Abraham. So that the Jews first had the covenant of God. And then the Jews, according to Isaiah 60 and 61, were to show forth the glory of God to the Gentiles. They didn't do that. And so now Paul is taking the gospel to the Gentiles. But the Jew first, in order, the gospel first went out to the Jews and then to the Greeks. It's the same thing we find in Acts to the, to the uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And then Paul says here, um, it is the power of their salvation and he's not ashamed of God or the work of the gospel. Uh, the um, Notice the word for here. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And so Paul, Paul makes his point, this transition it is the gospel, and in the gospel, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? When we say Paul is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, what would your answer be? What would that? What would you say is the gospel? Sometimes we just read these things and take them for granted, but what is it? Yeah, it's the good news that what? That Jesus died for sinners, right? Right, that's the good news. That's a simple gospel. But it is, it is a good news. It's not the good news about Muhammad. It's not the good news about, uh, uh, about uh, Buddha. It's not the good news about uh, any other uh, person, but it's the good news about Jesus Christ. So he says, for the, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. The gospel reveals what? The righteousness of God, which is revealed in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's very specific here. And then he says, it is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. Back up in verse 17, um, Luther, uh, in his uh, biography, it says, uh, after much struggling, he came to see what was meant, what was came to see what was meant here was not God's retributive justice, but the righteousness freely imparted to the sinner. Luther struggled with this passage for years, and he saw it for the, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. He saw it as being revealed against, as we read on, all unrighteousness and judgment. And that is true, but what he finally came to see what is the righteousness of God that is imputed to mankind, to sinners? It was this righteousness of God is revealed and is revealed from faith to faith. And really, when Luther came to understand this, and of course, uh, the, uh, 
whole world was really changed and the Protestant movement uh, was changed because of this understanding of God's sovereign grace. Um, the, uh, this is, of course, based on a substitutionary atonement of Christ. If you read Paul's words in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, uh, 20 and 21, you can hear the same thing here. He says, um, for we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us and pouring you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. He's eager, he's ready, he's willing. He's like a racehorse in a starting block. He wants to bring the gospel, present the gospel, have fruit. But he says, here it is. For he, speaking of God, made him Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And again, this is that what's called the great exchange. And, and uh, Paul makes a point of it here in verse 17. For in it, in the gospel, the gospel that Jesus died for sinners, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is that righteousness? That Christ's righteousness satisfied the wrath of a holy God on our behalf. And that's what Paul says is the basics of the gospel. And then he says, from faith to faith, um, I, I'm not sure exactly what to make of this. Uh, some have suggested that this is the form the gospel goes out. Uh, and so you would read it, uh, is revealed from faith to faith. That is, from Paul's faith to uh, Lydia's faith to, uh, to her family's faith, it would go, for, the gospel goes from one believer to another to another. And so that's one way of understanding it. Um, that is, it is from faith to faith. Some suggest the idea here is that the righteousness of God is completely on the basis of faith from beginning to end. So obviously both are true. It's faith to faith as the gospel goes out, but it is also the righteousness of God that comes through faith, and it is all of God from beginning to end. So we see a beautiful uh, picture here and encapsulated. We see Paul's heart, Paul's desire, Paul's love for the church. We see the church's love for the gospel, but we also see Paul's goal here is to expand that gospel, to bring that gospel into uh, a new part of the world that he had never been before. So any thoughts or before we close here in a minute, any comments? All right. We're gonna, we'll start the next section here um, next week. We'll just we'll wrap this up. Uh, but notice here, Paul takes a, he uses the word for here. Again, this is in contrast to the gospel. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now Paul goes in from the gospel to this idea that the, the wrath of God is revealed. And how, he's going to go for two chapters, two and a half chapters, and tell us about how the God, uh, wrath of God. He saved us by his grace, but God also is a... God of wrath. Um, the, um, Paul is addressing the church here. So uh, there he's, I'm assuming that there's unconverted as well as converted 
within that uh, that church at Rome is same with us. The same, there's there's converted people here. There's still unconverted people here, and so the gospel is for those who believe, but is also a warning, as we will see here, uh, for those that uh, do not believe. So, any any final thoughts here? We close this morning. Okay, well, thank you for your patience, and we'll pick this up in the next week. Thanks.